Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I just love how that track is so bouncy. And it is, of course, the summer montage from the movie La La Land. Uh, and I know there's such huge fans of the music from that movie around the place. Now and again, it does pop up on the text uh, machine here. And by the way, of course, you can text us that at any stage to 0833 96 96 96. But, you know, summer brings us the Midsummer Festival, it brings us a whole season of festivals. And it also brings exciting opportunities and summer projects that oh, I'm really thrilled to bring you, particularly this next one. We're going to be talking to Aideen O'Donoghue about Morrigan at Cork Opera House, which opens this week. Now, first of all, Aideen, before we get into Morrigan itself, we were just saying, I don't know when last I saw you. I saw you at the launch for the cultural strategy in the Opera House a few weeks ago, but things were so busy then. We actually haven't seen each other face to face in a good while. So it's great to see you. Great to see you too. I think it was the before times. Yeah. Wasn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. we've, we've talked and I've, you've been on the program talking about different projects and, uh, productions and things that happened in lockdown and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's great to finally have you back at the other side of the microphone or doing something face to face. So welcome in today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And then to come in with something like this. Oh my God. Now I hope everyone at home, uh, who was maybe passively listening to the radio, you've got it there in the background and a bit of, Pay attention to this because Aideen O'Donoghue and John O'Brien have just the most, I suppose, lightning in a bottle is how I would describe what happens with the two of you. The fact that the two of you are in love is just, (laughs) you know, a sidebar. But I suppose it must have an impact on the fact that the two of you have created some really, really magic uh, productions in the last while. Lilith is one that happened in lockdown and I'd like to maybe talk about that before we get into uh, Morrigan uh, because that was one of the productions we talked about during lockdown. I talked to Karen Underwood about it as well in lockdown and it was screened to us all in lockdown Mm. and I have often said to Karen and to John as well that is an international touring production that has to go to the States at 100% has to go to the States. So I don't know when you're going to get around to that. But you would have had a huge uh, impact, I think, in choosing the storyline and the history of these things because that is your passion, isn't it? Yeah, I I guess... So we we kind of go, so what do we do next? And John usually lands that in my lap. So what are, what are you going to decide that we do next? So um, if that's a bit of a responsibility, but I also... Get to kind of go, hmm, what would be fun? What would, I, I kind of think, what would I like to see now that isn't there? And so, for example, with Lilith, like she's this amazing character that n- very few people know about. Like she, in, in the Jewish um, Torah, she's like created with Adam. She was the first woman and the marriage didn't go well and she left. And then Eve got created out of um, Adam's rib. I thought that's the foundational story of our civilization that 
We're a not wo- told. A, w- a woman yeah. was made from, you know, a bit of bone of a man. And isn't that kind of mental? And I wonder what that woman would say. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I have a little daydream and I go, um, what about this? And then we, and if John is up for the idea, then we just have a chat and take it from there. <laughs> yes, but Lilith is also such a strong woman. And like that particular production with Karen in the role of Lilith. I mean, I presume you had Karen in mind when you were crafting 100%. the whole thing. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like we wrote it for her. We, yes. She's a very dear friend. We know her very well. We know what she can bring to it. We know like, you know, her story and what like yes. her point of view can imbue in the words and the music and like the first time we heard her sing it we were like oh my god this yeah. is just exactly what we wanted and and she really enjoys it and she like you saw the performance like it's I saw it I was totally overwhelmed with the emotion of it and that was through a screen that yeah. was you know casting it onto the television at home trying to see it as big as I possibly could and broken hearted that it wasn't <laughs> live you know and everything um that we could be there in the room um with her because it, it is just phenomenal but I suppose where I'm Beginning with Lilith is because of a strong woman mm. and taking that through into, I suppose, a thread of work that you would embody and, and kind of seek out and explore yourself. But also coming then to Morrigan. And, you know, I suppose I would have known a lot of stories about Cuchulain and mm-hmm. the Vena and all that kind of stuff growing up, but never really focused on this one. I, I vague, the vaguest, vaguest memory of the crow Tell everyone <laughs> about Morrigan. Why do we not have this goddess so much more large in our culture? It's a great question. I didn't know anything about her either. So we, we knew we wanted to do something about Irish mythology because we'd been to the Royal Opera House in London and we saw like a, a Wagner, Lohngren, you know, four hour, everybody roaring in German. And it was, um, it was amazing. I, we started going, well, why not Irish myths as well? Like, why couldn't we do that? An epic Irish opera. Brilliant. That's what we'll do. And I was looking through, you know, all all the, the town and all of these things and found this character called the Morrigan, who is a triple goddess. So she is, um, you know, the hag, the, the mother and the child or different forms of, of femininity. She's a shapeshifter. She can take the form of any animal, an eel, a wolf, mostly a crow. That's her favoured one. But she can be anything. She can be smoke. She can be dirt on the ground. She can be anything that she wants to be. She can be terrifying. She is a battle goddess. So if for she's a kind of a guardian of her people. So if a people are being oppressed, she'll rally them to to do brave deeds in battle <laughs> mm. and kind of stand up for yourself. So she's a goddess of sovereignty and like, you know, we, we have to protect ourselves. She gives warnings in dreams of like, I can see your death. Are you really sure you want to do that? And um, she is the goddess of prophecy and fate. So she, it, and it's very interesting. It brings up like that eternal idea of what is predestined and what, what can we choose? So that's a, a kind of a theme in the opera. And I thought, well, we're doing something with her. Yes. I don't know what we're doing, <laughs> but we're doing something with her. I mean, any one of those characteristics would make her interesting. Um, but the fact that all of them, and that's not even an exhaustive list yeah. of what is actually covered in her, um, is just phenomenal. So cool. 
Like, it's just so cool. And you, you don't even have to, like, you know, be an atheist or be a pagan or anything. Just as a character in a show, like, I, I had the idea that, you know, a prophecy is just a story. So what if she's the storyteller in an, in the opera and she goes, hello, audience, I'm Morgan. Um, sure, sit down there and we'll have an old chat and I'll tell you, I'll tell you an old story. So the story that she tells is... I think most people know it as Deirdre of the Sorrows or some people know it as um, Deirdre and the Sons of Usna. And that story is all about fate and all about Deirdre is kind of like an Irish Cassandra. So she, she sees the she sees her future. She knows what is going to happen and nobody listens to her. And because she, she's a woman, and none of the men listen to her and it ends terribly. And so I, I wanted the Morrigan to be the kind of sculpture of the story and, a, and a, a link between the audience and the characters in this old story. And um, so she she's played by a little girl, a woman and an older lady. So that it's, yeah, I'm very, very, very proud of, of how we've kind of brought her back to life again. There's the fact that you have three different actresses. Yeah. Uh, playing her, of course, ties into what you were saying. Uh, she is a, a trio and a, tri- a triad goddess. Yeah, you know that's sometimes portrayed as being three sisters, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Um, like it's funny. Or have I that mixed up? No, 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 no. It's yeah. that. But then I'll read another book that will tell me something completely yes, different. Okay. And I, I, I kind of, I found it very frustrating at the start about Irish mythology. Like it's an oral tradition, so it changes in every single version. There's about 500 versions of Deirdre's, Deirdre of the Sorrows. Yeah. Yeats did one, Singh did one. Invent a version, you know, so um, that is a great freedom in our sense. So I, I was able to go, okay, in, in this version, it's instead of three sisters or or three women or, or whatever, it's a it's a child, a woman. And mm-hmm. just to show those three um, aspects of wo- womanhood or humanity or whatever when you and john are creating a work like this um who who was were you the instigator of choosing the morrigan in this one i i chose lilith um uh, john has always had a fascination with deirdre and the sons i know i've heard him because it's it's just a really tight story like it has love betrayal battle um, it, it, you know, there's something for all the family, mm. but it's just really a good story. And he thought, because he's an opera head, um, he's like, that's just perfect opera, epic tragedy. Um, and so I, I I took a bit of convincing because it's really hard to write a love story. It's really hard that it isn't sickly sweet or cloying or, you know, just... <laughs> Like it already sentimental, has, yeah. you know, it's very hard. But I, th- I think with the music we and with Kim Sheehan who's playing Deirdre and Simon Morgan who's playing Nisha, like it does make you believe in love. That I can say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when you decided that this was the arc of the story, then how do you work together? I mean, like uh, you know, <laughs> uh, not how do you stand working together, <laughs> but no, like genuine. Like, what is the process? Do you come up with? Um, a lyric or a piece of the libretto and John sets it to music or does John say, hey, I've got this melody. Where do you think it would fit in oh, the story? If only. Or? I'm very, <laughs> I'm very um, annoyed about our process. It seems to work. So I'm just, we have to keep doing it. Sorry, listeners, there was an eye roll. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you can't can't hear on radio. But that just was so sweet. <laughs> Basically, John says, uh, "Listen, I can't write music unless I have a story or yeah. a lyric. It just doesn't work for me. I can't just." I need to know what I'm writing to be able to write music. And I go, how convenient. Basically, I have to carve something out of nothing, out of the abyss. And I go, what do you think of this? And he'll say, eh. <laughs> Then I have to go back to the drawing board until we have something and then he'll write some music. And then I get to go, eh. <laughs> And uh, we kind of, you know, playfully, passive-aggressively kind yeah. of, on to another until we both go ah okay now now a ball is rolling so but I, I have to ignite things so I'm the one who has to go for long walks and go how on earth am I going to hack my way into an old story that has to be written for singers in opera how do they speak to one another how do they express emotion how do they feel fear without it sounding like um, a museum piece that, yes. that people can't connect to how do I make it real because it's not a history lecture because it's not a history lecture yeah. and it has to emotionally connect it has to be it can't be boring it can't feel like homework and I think a lot of people feel that way about opera they go oh god it goes on for 10 hours it's in Italian I don't understand yawn and I can't blame them so we were like it has to be all killer no filler an hour and a half it needs Moment to moment, people need to know what's happening, what that person is feeling, what's going on. At the end of every scene, something has to change. It, we can't have 20 minute soliloquies about love because I think mod modern audiences are a bit kind of like, come on, get to the point. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, yeah, I, I have to get my head around that. And, and once, once I get a bit of purchase in like, oh, maybe that character might feel this way. Huh, that's not a bad mm -hmm. idea. Then I can kind of scramble my way, but I have to do all of that alone. <laughs> and then I present that to John. And if he thinks he can work with it, then then we can get something going. But I'm very resentful about that process. I keep saying, <laughs> how about you write some music? No, and, no, uh, no. <laughs> no, I think that the fact is it, it does work. You know, I know the, what, really you have, annoying. what you have done together uh, does work. Um, the story of the Morrigan or the character of the Morrigan, like you mentioned, she's a shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. She can be, you mentioned some of the things there, like an eel or a wolf or those come those are things that I remember something of with Coo Cullen mm -hmm. that she would have appeared to him or tried to trick him and one way or another um, in the battle. And it just goes to show you that's the story of Coo Cullens that I've kind of nearly forgotten. But in this, so is she the foreteller of doom in the story? Does she try and intervene in the story? What can you tell us of the story for people who may not actually know the story of Deirdre and the mm -hmm. Sons of Ishna or anything like that, what can you tell them without feeling like you're giving yeah, too much okay. away? I have to be careful here now. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. So it might sound ridiculously vague. So I, I said earlier that so if somebody is able to see the future, the future hasn't happened yet. So we still have choice, but yet this goddess knows what's going to happen. And um, so at certain points, she might kind of nudge somebody towards maybe have a look over there. Maybe you, you should get out of there right now. Maybe that person listens. Maybe they don't. Okay. So it's 
it's not a clear cut thing. So there's always this tension between, and I think that's true in life as well. Like we all have our, our circumstances that we all have the hand that we're dealt and we can either kind of go, oh, well, that's it. I'll, I'm just programmed that way. Or we have agency and we can choose and we can go, no, I I want my life to be this way or I don't want to go down that path that has, if if I was passive about it and didn't pay attention, I could just walk down and and is that so you? Much. Are you are you kind of gripped by challenge? Do you draw? <laughs> are you drawn by it? Um, I think what I find frightening, what I think what really frightens me is um, kind of a bit of if I have an idea to go and do something, I'm frightened if I chicken out. Okay, like I I would be very sad. I I'm kind of okay with failure and kind of. You know, okay, that didn't work out, but it really frightens me shying away from something because then that experience never, it never gets to me and I never get to to have that feeling or that encounter. And you've only, well, as far as I know, you've only one life, but, you know, time passes and yeah, I, I, I think it is a theme in, in things that I write that uh, that is the the one thing I can say that give me gives me the willies that if my life passes me by, I I will be very sad. <laughs> yeah, so you'll take who, all, who wouldn't? Take what I mean, you know what I mean. So in this arc of a story, then I mean I know you can't identify with every character you write, but uh, every author and writer imbues some aspect mm. of the work with with themselves. You know, part of it com- it's not necessarily you have to uh, have committed crime to write crime <laughs> novels or anything like that. But when you come to a story like the Morgan and mm. this the way you've woven this who do you identify with Ooh, hadn't thought of that there's there's a character one, one of the brothers of the sons of Ustana, so Nisha's brother Enla and in in our version he's played by countertenor Victor Priba who has this otherworldly beautifully um yeah you, I I just couldn't believe somebody could make a sound like his voice it's absolutely stunning and he's this kind of sweet, melancholic poet who's also a warrior. And he kind of flits between those two things of living in a warrior culture and, you know, going into battle. But all he wants to do is write poems and sing sad songs. And I know it sounds really wimpy, but I kind of identify with him. Um, and everybody's like, oh, come on, cheer up. <laughs> but I think that's part of the artistic creative spirit, oh. isn't it? You know, there must be a struggle or there must be a conflict or there must be uh, something on which the action would turn. It's like saying you can't write pure love story because it's it could be too saccharine or too sweet and too perfect. It's the most challenging it's the imperfect. thing. Yeah, it's the most challenging thing, like to write real intimacy mm. and real love. I, I think I found it very difficult you know especially in an operatic space where it's like i love you so much i would die for you and it this we wanted to do um kind of soulmate love rather than um amazingly dramatic i would die for you love mm-hmm. and um and it's really refreshing actually that this opera is very dramatic there's a lot going on but the love story is extremely um it's kind of incredibly tender and beautiful in a way that is um, I haven't quite seen before in an opera. We should just say, by the way, uh, for people who are listening to this, wondering when is it on? It's starting this week in Cork Opera House. You're only on for three nights. It's mm. Thursday, not Friday, 
which I don't understand. But anyway, <laughs> and then back on Saturday and Resting Sunday. Resting the, the singer's voices. That's why. Okay. It. Oh, wow, wow, wow. I should say one thing. Um, so I've talked about the love story. There is a massive battle scene. I wanted to come on to the staging yeah. because it does say that in yeah. the blurb on the Opera website that there is a staging. And so of a battle. Yeah. All I right. saw it last night. How much can you tell us? Elmarie, like, I I wrote it and I said, look, I'll just let my imagination go wild. And it's somebody else's problem to stage it. And so I have a pretty wild imagination and it's completely surpassed. Really? Like, wow. I could not have imagined with the lights and with the costume and with the, um, there's swords, axes, bows, spears. There's 45 people on stage. It's jaw-dropping. It's like a Marvel movie. I'm looking here at the uh, the movement director uh, is Eddie Kay. Would yes. he have had responsibility for this? Yes. Okay. Yes. And he's done a lot of um, fight choreography and he's an incredible dancer and choreographer. And um, yeah, like I, my jaw hit the floor last night when I saw it for the first time. And yeah, I, uh, I'm very <laughs> excited about the audience's reaction to that because there was a few people in the audience and just kind of like staff from the opera house or whatever. And it was very cool to see their reactions. They were like, oh, my God, do people know that this is going to happen? happen? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's I'm very excited for people to see that. I can't describe to listeners the grin that's uh, spread across <laughs> your face as you're talking about this. I'm looking at the creative team here. I know um, John, of course, John O'Brien is the director. Conducting is Connor Palliser. A great partnership for various projects between the two of them. So I, I know they kind of can anticipate what the other is going to very do, I think, so. which is great, isn't yeah, it? To have. Very much so. And actually to have, not just with them, but when I look at the cast of singers um, who are taking part in this... Um, it's just been a tremendous growth in Cork for the last, I suppose, what, five or six years or yeah. so, there and thereabouts, of opera from the ground up, which is yeah. so exciting. Like, th- stuff like this is possible as a result of it. Yeah, and we want to do more. Mm. And, like, it's it's amazing. So the, the singers that we have are world class, but some of them are from Cork. Some of them are from South Korea. Some of them are from Blackpool. You know, and I... A few of the, the non-Cork singers were saying to us, like, you don't realise what you have here. And I was like, what? Cork people are always kind of going, Cork's amazing. And she was like, no, you're all mental. You have no <laughs> idea how amazing it is, the work that you're making here with the talent that you have, with the, mm. the sense of community that you have in this like small city. We want to make more and we, we want to make it here and we want to like... We want people of, of Cork to know that it's for them. You know, it's uh, opera has a weird kind of, you know, ghost haunting it that is this kind of elitist thing or it's just for people with PhDs in opera. And it's for everybody. It's for, we, we want to make more operas here as bold and as ambitious. Yeah. As exciting as this. Yeah. I remember years ago, one of the first times I played opera in the classroom with the infants. And uh, I asked one of them, like it was, we were doing a load of different uh, music genres and we'd gone through jazz and we'd had a bit of classical and then we were doing opera. And one of the senior infant boys said, I think it sounds like old women squeeching. 
Oh my god! <laughs> and I just—I had to laugh at him. I had to laugh at him, but it, it can sometimes do. <laughs> so we want to change people's minds on that. If that is uh, any way part of it, right? <laughs> just to this day, it gives me a giggle. So that is C- very funny, CJ. I will never forget you for that one <laughs> sentence alone. Um, but like this, like I said, it's only three nights. The most incredible creative team. I've seen the cast. Like what a band of brothers and sisters. Oh my God. The photographs I saw you all out in the English market for ice cream or something yeah. like that the yeah. other day. I mean, rehearsing in the heat last week must have been. Crazy. A, lo- a lot of ice cream was bought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of fans. There was a lot of windows open. There was a lot of um, B.O., <laughs> that no matter how much deodorant or whatever you put on um, but uh, like you've seen the, the cast we are absolutely miraculously gifted with I mean it's, it's world class singers and they believe in our opera and they want to come here and make it and it, when it got really hot I was like oh god this is this is really hard and it's you know it's hard to sing when a hot day and everything but I have to say, like everybody has been working so hard because they're it's very gratis- gratifying as the the writer to see them so excited, like they cannot wait to get on stage. Okay, eighteen on Donahue. It has just been a joy and a pleasure uh, to have you in the studio this morning to tell us about Morrigan. Uh, are such a thrill for Cork audiences, Cork Opera House and John O'Brien in association with the Everman. It's a great partnership, which I think is wonderful also to see. Um, three nights only. So Thursday night and then again Saturday and Sunday night of the August Bank Holiday weekend in Cork Opera House. Curtain up each night at eight. Thank you so much for coming in and Thank the very best me. of luck with the whole thing. Thank you. Cork's 96FM and C103, The Arts House. With Griffin's Potatoes, keeping Cork families happy and healthy with the new season's queens.